be honest with you, I was talking to my wife about it just the other day, and she's like, well, you should talk to Lynn about, like, what's the deal with the gas, right? What the heck happened in the last, you know, four to five months that has really skyrocketed the gas prices that affect a lot of individuals that are listening? Yeah, absolutely. And that is a huge concern. It's a concern in my household. I'm sure it's a concern in your household as well. Hello, everybody. I'm Doug Draper, your host of Uptime Logistics. I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, Uptime Logistics is powered by Cap Logistics. And uh, today's guest and topic I'm uh, really excited about. It's timely, it's exciting, and it's very relevant uh, to what we're all experiencing right now. So we are going to be getting together and speaking to Lynn Granger. She's the executive director of the American Petroleum Institute, Colorado. So she supports uh, the uh, the industry here. So API. Before we jump into it, Lynn, I'm going to give everybody a quick lowdown of of API, and then and then we'll we'll uh, we'll start a conversation. But API it represents all segments of American oil and natural gas industry. Um, 600 members producing, processing, and distributing uh, the nation's energy. Uh, industry supports uh, 10 million U.S. jobs. That's pretty impressive, and. Uh, growing by a, a grassroots uh, movement of millions of Americans. So 1919, it was formed, um, and it's a standard setting organization. And in the first 100 years, API has developed more than 700 standards to enhance operations and environmental safety and efficiency. So Lynn, those are big numbers there. That's an impressive uh, uh, history of the company. So um, that's great. So before we jump in, um, tell us about yourself. You know, there's a journey to everybody's uh, current state. So tell us your history, your background, and kind of how you got to where you are now with API. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Doug. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so my journey began um, actually in the United States Army. I joined the Army right out of high school um, here in Colorado and uh, shipped to basic training. I joined as a 46 Romeo, which is a broadcast journalist. Uh, they really wanted me to be a light wheel mechanic, but that just wasn't in my uh, wheelhouse at the time. Uh, but I was very interested in journalism. And so um, I enlisted in the Army. I uh, shipped to basic training in uh, South Carolina. And then my first duty station was in South Korea. I lived there for about three years. My oldest son was born there, um, had a really great time. I transitioned uh, from the Army there and became a Department of the Army civilian and just got a lot more experience in communications and media relations um, and really enjoyed my time. And uh, from there, moved to Fort Meade, Maryland and continued um, that uh, path and was the editor for a base newspaper for a little while. Um, and then I headed over to Germany with the Army for about seven years um, and continued um, in communications and media relations and ended with the U.S. Army as a strategic communications advisor for the three-star uh, general in charge of U.S. Army Europe, um, which was really exciting. Um, I, I happened to be in uh, Ukraine shortly after Russia invaded Crimea. Uh, in 2015, um, and so have seen really firsthand, um, you know, what we're dealing with right now. Um, and so it's very interesting to be in the oil and natural gas industry um, and have this uh, conflict going on in our world right now as well. 
Um, so really, uh, from there wanted to move back to Colorado. I've got three beautiful boys and really wanted to raise them here in my home state. And so moved back here and worked for the state for a little bit and then, uh, was tapped for this position about three years ago. Um, and it's been a wild ride ever since there's never a dull moment. So I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it's, it's definitely very challenging, um, to be in this industry in the state of Colorado. Right. Yes. And also, um, not to embarrass you a little bit, but I think I might, um, there's an award that you, <laughs> I was, uh, reading that you were, um, uh, recognized as one of the top five young professionals by Colorado Big Biz Magazine back in, in 2020. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was definitely an honor. I was very surprised, um, and very humbled. It was, um, meant a lot to be recognized again in my home state mm -hmm. um and be part of of such you know an amazing group of, of young professionals here so that was very cool so thank you i appreciate yeah that. good well i want to get in with some of our conversations um i know there was uh a lot of activity happening in the last couple of months that just ended at the first part of may and it was the uh, legislative general uh, general sessions and uh, tell us how that went. And you know what, Lynn, let me, let me back up. You, you work with API. I did probably a below average uh, introduction of, of your organization. So I'm going to backtrack and say, why don't you give our audience kind of a quick summary? Because that'd be a great transition. Tell us what API is and what you do. And then we can just roll into that question about what transpired at the legislative session um, and how that uh, impacted uh, your members and uh, people you support. Sure. Um, so you uh, mentioned um, a few facts about API already, um, but one of them I really wanted to hit on because I don't think a lot of people realize is API is a hundred year old organization. We've been around for a very long time and um, you know, I always say that we are very focused on public health safety and mitigating environmental impacts, and that's not new. Um, as you mentioned, we are, we started out as a standard setting organization to set standards for operators within this industry to promote health, safety, and mitigate environmental impacts. And we've been doing that for a hundred years. So I just wanted to touch on that because again, I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, but outside of the standard setting piece of our organization, um, we are an advocacy organization. We advocate on behalf of the industry and the hardworking men and women that comprise this industry and work hard every day to give us the energy that we all need and use on a daily basis. Um, and very proud of that work. Um, we, you know, do a lot of work at the legislature, um, over at the regulatory agencies here in Colorado. We're governed by the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. And then we also have a lot of rulemaking um, that goes on over at the Air Quality Control Commission. And so um, on the regulatory front, we stay very busy. Um, and then on the legislative front, we also stay very busy, although we we always hope to not be busy in that arena every session, but um, somehow we're, we, we usually are, so. Yeah, well, we're a good tag team because that's exactly the, the, uh, the transition I was looking for. You were busy in the legislative session recently. When, when did it actually end? And maybe give our audience kind of, give us a feel like, what's it like in the room? What are you guys doing um, specifically? And then let's talk about two or three initiatives that you had uh, and, uh, during, the, during the session. Sure. So we uh, adjourned sine die from the Colorado legislature on May 11th, and it couldn't come soon enough. It was a, a very long session. So here in the state of Colorado, it runs about the first or second week of January through the second week of May. Um, so it's pretty long um, comparative to other states, um, and that's every mm -hmm. year. 
So we entered in this legislative session, um, you know, before ahead of session, we usually sit down with lawmakers and just one provide, you know, information and education about the industry and what's going on and kind of the state of the energy industry here. In Colorado, how many rigs do we have running? What does it look like? How many rulemakings have we been through? Um, you know, kind of what is that? Uh, what is the lay of the land right now? So that lawmakers mm -hmm. have a good understanding of that heading into session. And so we did that last year. And, you know, we always do try to find out, you know, what are you hearing? What's coming up that, you know, we should, should be on our radar and we should be aware of so that we can also prepare. You know, and we were told, you know, don't worry, we don't have anything, you know, hearing of anything targeted specifically at oil and gas. Um, so I always get a little nervous when I hear don't worry. Um, and mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, we headed into session and we, again, as um, we thought, did have a lot of um, targeted uh, pieces of legislation at our industry, mm -hmm. which um, is, is pretty frustrating for us. Um, we had a very large um, sweeping bill back in 2019. It was Senate Bill 181 that really um, transformed the way that this industry is regulated in the state. And we've had over a dozen rulemakings. We've been very busy over the past few years. And um, we are just now heading out of um, those rulemakings per that piece of legislation. And so, you know, what we would really like to see is this pause of no additional legislation. Let's let these rules work. Um, we've really rewritten almost every rule in the books as it relates to oil and gas. And so um, we feel strongly that the, the industry really needs some stability and some certainty. Um, and we need some time to just let this framework work for our state and for our industry. And so again, always a little disappointed to then see additional pieces of legislation that we have to work through. Um, however, I think at the end of session, we were able to get um, quite a bit of um, you know, amendments to some of these bills um, to make them a little more workable for our industry. But this session, we faced um, legislation around oil and gas reporting. Uh, we faced legislation around chemical disclosure. Um, and trade secrets and how that works within our industry. We also um, face some air quality bills that will affect us. Um, and we also faced um, some changes to our severance tax system as well. So there were quite a few bills that really um, affected us that we had to work on. Yeah, that's great. You know, the one piece that you that you made mention of uh, related to what I refer kind of the, the climate action framework, you know, you made mention that was one of the things. Talk to us a little bit about the industry and the advocacy that you're having, because uh, I know for 100 plus, first of all, the organization's 100 plus year, years old, which is is amazing and, and impressive. But um, the climate change, uh, carbon footprint output, those things have gotten a lot of attention in the last decade, but you've been talking about it for a long time. So talk about the environmental stewardship, if you will, of the organization and the, and the messaging that you uh, want to get out there. Sure. So um, as I mentioned, I've been in this position for about three years. I did not have an industry background prior to taking this position. So I've learned quite a bit. And one of the reasons why I took this position and why I'm excited about it is because the technology and the innovation in this industry is top notch. And it's really amazing to see. I mean, just in my short amount of time, three years with this industry, I have seen just leaps and bounds, you know, from where it was three years ago, all in an effort to reduce, you know, our footprint, reduce emissions, um, uh, you know, mitigate environmental impacts, improve health and safety. I mean, it's just, it is literally top of mind for 
for our industry every day. And the innovation and technology is super impressive. Here in Colorado, in fact, we have been able to quadruple production here in the state through technology um, while simultaneously reducing our emissions by 55-0%, which is incredible. And so I'm so proud of our industry because while a lot of folks want to talk about climate change and reducing emissions, and yes, those things are very important, our industry is at the table and it's not just words, it's actions. And we are delivering on that every day while also realizing that our work isn't done and we're going to continue to look for ways to make improvements and continuing to reduce emissions. So we're really proud of that. Yeah. The, the innovation piece is, is really cool to, to hear that. Do you have any examples? I don't want to necessarily put you on the spot, but I guess I am going to put you on the spot a little bit. Just, do you have any examples of innovation? Because when you say quadrupled output and reduce or quad, quadrupled, you know, the, the output, uh, but at the same time reduced uh, the, the emissions, do you have an example of how that works? You know, it, it's very intriguing to me. I'm like, okay, those are big numbers. How does it work? Do you have any examples? Sure. Um, so a few. So obviously there's a lot of things that go into that. But, um, you know, what I would say is, again, the technology piece. So instead of having, I will, I'll throw a number out there, 100 vertical wells historically, our operators here in the state are able to plug those vertical wells and replace them with horizontal wells with hydraulic fracturing that then reduce the footprint um, of the operations. And so you could go from 100 vertical wells now to maybe 15 or 20 horizontal wells, which is a huge benefit for both emissions and just footprint um, of operations. Um, other examples would include, you know, um, tankless systems and really um, kind of closed loop systems that don't allow for emissions. Um, we have, you know, prevented flaring here um, in the state of Colorado. And so you can't just flare off natural gas, which um, occurs in other places. And so that has all of those things. And there are probably dozens and dozens more that all contribute to those emission reductions. But it's that sort of innovation and technology and, again, improvements that are literally being made on a daily basis um, that are getting us to our goals. Mm -hmm. How do you get that that messaging out, right? I know you're sitting with legislators and talking about it. From the, from the general public, a lot of folks probably don't understand kind of what those means and the direct impact. What what type of advocacy are you doing? I don't know if advocacy is the right word, but, you know, getting the word out, because those are impressive statistics and it's very tangible things that you're doing. And, and that's important for the general public. Talk, talk about what you're doing to help average Joes like me understand that. Sure. So what's what's challenging um, and I, a lot of industries face this is that our industry is a very technical industry. And so there are a lot of folks that don't quite understand, you know, all of the ins and outs. And so trying to explain it um, can take a rather long time. And, you know, it, it um, you know, we might not get to the end place that we were hoping. And so what we try to do is whittle it down and talk to folks about how does this impact you? Because you would be surprised at how, um, you know, people really don't realize that almost everything in their lives is powered by oil and natural gas, whether it's products they use in their home that are petroleum byproducts to the gas in their cars, to flipping their light switch or their fireplace. Or, um, you know, my sire always tell my sons like, hey, your iPads, you love your iPads and your games. All of, all of those things are petroleum byproducts. Um, and so we really... It, it fuels and drives our lives on a daily basis. And so we try to really bring it back down to that level um, and say, you know, 
I, we understand the environmental concerns. And again, we're working on those every day, but you need these products, you need this industry. And so we can have um, you know, a clean environment and we can do this safer and cleaner while also providing the energy and the products that you need and use every day. It doesn't have to be a choice. We can have both. And that's what we are working so hard on. Yeah, that's great. You know, in the supply chain and logistics world, <clears throat> with um, everything, I, I think if you buy it, uh, touch it, look at it, you know, a truck brought it to the end mile, you know, so you look People are like, there's a lot of trucks out there and and uh, and everything else. So that's very tangible. It's like, listen, a vehicle, a truck is using fuel, needs natural gas to to move forward. So that's uh, definitely a uh, very very tangible. Um, all right. So speaking of gas, right? Again, I, Lynn, the reason I love this and having an interview is I'm kind of that guy that knows enough to be dangerous, so I can ask the simple questions, right? And I know when we were doing some prep for this. Um, be honest with you, I was talking to my wife about it just the other day, and she's like, well, you should talk to Lynn about, like, what's the deal with the gas, right? And so I know there's probably some misnomers out there about it doesn't have to be a winner and a loser with the gas prices and what's happening. And I, I know that there's a lot of finger pointing on why this is happening. It happened right during, you know, the invasion of Ukraine, and there's a lot of factors involved. In it. So maybe talk to the audience a little bit about what the heck happened in the last you know, four to five months that has really skyrocketed the gas prices that affect a lot of individuals that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a huge concern. It's a concern in my household. I'm sure it's a concern in your household as well. Um, but at the end of the day, our, um, our product is a global commodity, right? So those prices are all based on market. It's simple um, supply and demand. And what we saw over the last couple of years were a lot of things that were negatively impacting demand, right? We went into this pandemic, which was awful. And for a couple of years, you know, folks weren't flying and they were driving a little less and people were working from home. So demand really started to plummet. Um, and then it rebounded very, very quickly. Um, you know, as soon as we saw the vaccine come out and, you know, the, the world starting to open up again. Well, unfortunately, the way this industry works, and again, as I mentioned, it's, it's incredibly technical. You know, I think a lot of folks think we can just flip a switch and turn the supply and crank it up and let's get it out the door. Well, it takes, you know, years and, and months of planning to get permits in order to um, start drilling. And it just, you can't flip a switch and you can't turn it back on. And so when the demand starts going up again, we we run short on supply. And that's what we're seeing, um, again, a, a, across the globe, because this is a global commodity and we don't control those market prices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one uh, a different show... Uh, that I'm involved with, we talked about the Roaring Twenties. Remember the 1920s, how things were the flappers and everything was going crazy. We're kind of in the, the modern day Roaring Twenties of the 2020s, right? And and people were consuming tangible items. And now you're seeing folks getting into services and travel and, and uh, all of that requires fuel, you know, traveling for the, the holiday weekends during the summer and, and fuel prices and everything else. So totally get it. And it makes sense. You just don't flip the switch to turn the machine back on. <laughs> it's not as not as simple as that, for sure. Yeah, I wish it I wish it were, but it it certainly isn't, you know, and that's why we are um advocating every day um for sound energy policy, both in the nation and here in Colorado. 
um, because unfortunately we get into situations like this and because of some of the policies that have been put in place, both, both at the federal level and the, at the state level here, it's making it even harder for producers um, to ramp up production in a timely manner. And that's really putting, you know, a crunch on prices as well. Yeah. So um, we're talking a lot about the here and the now, right? What's going on with, with the fuel right now. I'm going to shift it a little bit and let's kind of uh, talk five years out, right? Um, and maybe we'll, I'll ask this question twofold. First of all, five years out, what does it look like in the legislative session? What are you going to be advocating for? And what do you think are going to be priorities? Uh, maybe we'll start with that one. That's a good question. <laughs> I wish I wish I had a dollar for every time I was asked. Magic eight ball behind you or anything? Yeah. Sorry. I wish there was. Um, I'll I might answer a little differently and say what do I hope for in five years versus what do I think might happen in five years because. Quite honestly, um, because of the instability and uncertainty, particularly here in Colorado, it is really challenging to say this is what I think is going to happen. Here's what I hope is going to happen in the next five years. I hope that you're going to have that breathing room that I mentioned earlier with all of these new regulations that we have in place in order to operate under this new normal. I hope that there's some stability and some certainty for our industry, particularly here in Colorado. You know, I mentioned um, demand has um, skyrocketed back and everything's bounced back very quickly. Um, the industry has um, rebounded fairly, you know, quickly other places, but unfortunately here in Colorado, we've been a lot slower to recover in this industry um, than other states and other basins across the nation. And that's because um, of the instability and uncertainty that we have um, is makes it tricky for folks to want to invest here in Colorado. And so what I hope for is to attract more of that capital investment back here to our great state where we operate under the most stringent regulatory framework in the nation, I would argue in the world. Um, so I hope you know we get that capital investment back. I hope we see sound policy discussions and reasonable discussions happening both um, at our regulatory agencies and, and more importantly, at the state legislature. Um, you know, I hope that um, folks can um, you know, have reasonable discussions with us, learn and understand everything that we are doing and have done, and then make sound policy decisions based on facts and information that they have. I think what we have seen, particularly this past session, um, is that we've got lawmakers that, you know, are um, being driven largely by environmental organizations and not really understanding the issues at hand, but just feeling like they need to do something, right? Like the climate is changing and I need to do something, but they don't quite know the how or the what or the why. Um, so that makes it really tricky um, to have good sound policy discussions um, and make um, decisions that are good for our state and good for the people of Colorado. And so that is what I would hope for in the next five years, but we'll see. All good, all good points. So if you um, <clears throat> had a, uh, the ability to address and hopefully some of the members that you're representing uh, are listening, but if you had some advice for them, right? all the things that you hoped for, you're one person advocating for many, right? So if you could give some inf uh, advice uh, to the membership to say, we're in a collective here working together, what type of things could the members do to help um, make sure your hopes turn into actual uh, tangible things? 
that that's easy. It would be keep doing what you're doing because you are making a difference. That innovation, that technology, the emission reductions, like we are coming to the table and we are taking action and we are um, doing amazing things. So just keep doing what you're doing. And I say that because it can be very challenging to work within this industry where, you know, these men and women are working hard every day and they live here too and they care about our air and our water and our environment and safety um and so it's really hard to be continually attacked um as the oil and natural gas industry here um and accused of of doing things that we're not doing or just accused of maybe some you know perceptions that um you know lie with folks about about our industry and so it is it's really tough um working in this industry and so i would just say you're doing amazing. Keep it up. And hopefully we'll have that stability and security that we need and, and really deserve here. Yeah. Stay, stay vigilant. And I would, Lynn, I would agree that, you know, the word you said was, was attack, right? I mean, you guys are kind of an easy, you guys, meaning the, the industry, right? Not you specifically, but it's an easy target. And I think it's difficult because of the, the technology and the technical aspect of what you're talking about. It's hard to explain we're not the bad guys. Look at all these amazing things and the innovation that we're bringing to the table, right? We're not sitting idle and we are part of the community. So I, I can really appreciate that. So if I'm just a lay person, which I am, and I wanted to learn more about your organization, um, learn about these advancements and what you has, uh, what, what you're, what you're doing. Um, tell us how to reach you, how to learn more about your organization and things that you're active in. Yeah, it's super easy, just api.org, um, and there is a ton of information on that site, um, whether it be about the standards that I mentioned that um, API has developed. We've got a lot of just one-pagers that talk about why are gas prices so high and how does all this work and, and sort of, again, our really best effort at trying to explain some of these complicated and technical things. Um, so really encourage folks, again, it's api.org, very easy, and there's a ton of information there. Terrific. Good. Well, that's a perfect way to, to end the discussion. And I know your schedule is super busy and I'm glad we were able to take care of this conversation after the session was over. It's good to hear your, your perspectives on that. And, um, you know, I wish API the best as you move forward and really appreciate, you know, what you're doing with the advocacy, not only within the membership, but understanding and explaining to, uh, you know, the citizens of Colorado, what you do and the importance of it and, and everything else. So thank you so much for joining the show today, Lynn. No, thank you for having me. And thank you for um, helping to get our message out. It's, it is important and we really appreciate your time and your effort. No, thank you very much. And I'd also, uh, Lynn and I are thanking each other, but I also want to make sure that we thank our audience for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. Of course, it's powered by Cap Logistics and you can find more information about the show in the description below. Don't forget to like and subscribe uh, to CAP channels. And please visit caplogistics.com for customized transportation solutions. And when you're there, click api.org and learn more about the uh, uh, Lens organization there. So thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on Uptime Logistics.